0: What's up this is randy hot hobo ellis and you are listening to mint condition here on nts radio and i'm here with my co-host yeah mr xl middleton what's going on and today in the studio we have all the way from uh, from london timothy j fairplay
1: hi there is it is it timothy or is it tim or uh, what, do you, what you do you prefer to go by you can call me tim and, uh, th- nobody really calls, I I use that as my artist name, but I'm Tim. I'm Tim, really.
0: Right, so. and that's not your only artist name. You have a multitude yeah, of aliases. A few.
1: Yeah, it's like Antoine Rouge, and uh, yeah, it's a. Bit, it's a yeah, bit and
0: we'll, we'll we'll get into all that <laughs> a little bit later. But anyways, welcome to the show.
1: From, I come from this place called Selsey, uh, which is like on the south, the south coast of England. Uh, overlooks the uh, overlooks the Isle of Wight. Which I don't know if you've heard of the Isle of Wight.
0: Do they have a festival there? Yeah, yeah. That's, they, I the, think they like they now, the Who played there or something. You, that's right? probably
1: what it's most famous for. But like, really, the Isle of Wight, most of the time, is just this quite strange little island, really, that's like off the coast of the UK. But it's like the most populated island. You know, like as like you know, off the off the coast. Right. There's like lots of people live there. But um, yeah, I come from this place called Selsey which is like a peninsula that stands sort of six miles out to sea, overlooks overlooks the island. My bedroom window always like looked out to sea oh, when really? I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. So like I'm very uh, much a, like originally like a sort of seaside person okay. really.
0: And did you go out there a lot as a kid, like to the... So wait, the isle is actually like an island, right? Yeah. So yeah, you yeah, so you would island. have to take like a ferry well, to
1: get there? Well, my, my grandparents lived there um, when I was a kid on my dad's side. So we used to go there like at least once a year, if not twice a year to like visit. And it's quite, you know, it's there's something quite sort of magical about it or something, you know, like that sort of... I was kind of really like, I'm a, bit, I'm a bit obsessed with islands. I don't know, they're often referenced in...
0: Right, didn't you have like a project about like Fish Island or Yeah, something? well, there's like
1: Fish Island. Well, I had a studio that I called the uh, Fish Island School of Synthesis. There's a tune called Tapioca Island. There's another tune called Something Else Island, actually. <laughs> is, you know, And I think as I'm a bit, you know, I'm sure the, the obsession with islands goes back to basically my entire childhood. Every time I looked out the bedroom window, it was like... This like island. There's quite a lot of seaside references, actually, in in titles of things I've done. I you know it goes back to that. Right.
0: And sure. um, so, did you have like a, a musical upbringing where were your yeah, parents yeah. like uh, um, big into music, or did they give you like a musical education of any sort?
1: Well, they didn't really. My my parents weren't into sort of popular music because like also 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 because my dad was quite old. Like when I was born, my dad was fifty was 55. Oh wow. Okay. Uh no, no, sorry, so he was he was fifty-one when I was born. He was fifty five when my sister was born. But anyway, he was old. So he didn't really have you know, he'd like missed the he like he he was like in the navy during the 50s and stuff, because he was already you know, he was already too old for that like then. So he he wasn't really into popular music and my mum had been a folk a folk musician um, when she was younger and then had sort of become a jazz musician and had then sort of got into classical music, but obviously none of none of it's popular music. So right. like, w- was she like a professional? Like? N- no, no. But okay. but she had like, very much so in the folk world, she had um, had a period of of playing a lot of, of folk festivals, like so semi professional, I right. suppose. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know anyway none you know none of it is like pop music so i very much had to sort of you know there wasn't really like a parents record collection to raid you know like there wasn't like a box full of like you know fleet fleetwood mac and i kind of had to sort of find my own way a bit but we were super musical my sister's my sister's a harpist oh okay that's that's what she does for a living um and my mum my mum taught me to play the guitar And I sang. I also like I sang like in choirs and stuff when I was a kid as well. Like um, not not ones tied to a church, but singing you know some religious music as well as. um, So yeah, I had quite a you know like like a really musical upbringing. Um, But it was, I suppose it was you know you'd say it was a bit square.
0: So was the uh, was the guitar your, your first instrument Yeah that was, that yeah. was, that
1: was my first instrument, and like, I learned to play um, um, I think my mum my asked me if I wanted to learn to play the guitar, and I was you know, at first I wasn't really sort of that like bothered and then I think suddenly I sort of probably saw something on TV or something like that you know somebody who looked cool with a guitar or something, and I was like, Mum, can I learn to play the guitar?" So she kind of started to teach me. Um, uh, but I quite quickly, you know, it's like I sort of learned like the fundamentals from her and then I really wasn't that bothered about having lessons from her. I was then like, I found like, you know, song, you know, song books and, and stuff and like would work through these song books, learning to, to play all these, you know, and so I kind of, once she taught me the basics, I then sort of kind of taught, taught myself more, really. Like I think she would have liked to teach me classical right. guitar, but it didn't really happen.
0: <laughs> so, were there any bands or like groups? At, I mean, how old were you? I guess. When you
1: well, played? when I started, I think when I started playing the guitar, I was pretty young. I think I was only like must have only been like eight or something like that. And like, um, uh, I don't really have like my you know my earliest memories of being in, of being it's kind of like early you know like indie like early 90s indie really yeah. was the first time i sort of remember i'm sure there was earlier things like when i was a little kid i liked michael jackson and stuff you know but like right. but like that my first memories of sort of playing the guitar and that being an influence you know you know there being other guitarists being an influence of me was would be like um yeah, like you know, early '90s indie bands like My My Bloody Valentine and Ride. Right. Um, you know those those kind of sort of sho- shoegazy bands, really.
0: Yeah, all bands that are uh, currently active now. Yeah, <laughs> still.
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Funly, <laughs> funnily enough, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, yeah. I never would have expected that, but it seems that music is very cyclical in that yeah, nature. Yeah, and, like, things definitely come around after a certain amount of time yeah not always but
1: not always yeah like ride reforming was not what I expected actually
0: yeah Yeah. and so were there other than like your folks were there like you know people in your town that were maybe a little older than you doing music that that maybe you looked up to
1: or well the the next the the next thing I really remember happening was at my school, we were asked to do this, we we had to do a project at school, when we had to like, form a band, you know, like with some other kids in our music class, and write a song and put, you know, like write a song and perform a song, and we had to, I don't know how, I can't remember how long we had to do it in, like, like a month or something, and, um, I, Kind of, almost think we were the only group that actually managed to do it properly. Actually, really, because I was like really into this, you know, and was like, right,
0: right. So you were like driving everyone else to like actually, like like, yeah, yeah. like this
1: is it. we are like we're gonna do this, and like I wrote some song. I don't even really remember the song, and I remember we performed it. But we then, but but me and this these other three kids then continued to sort of be a band. Afterwards, right, um, for a f- couple of years, uh, like we never, I don't think, after that we only ever did cover versions of other songs, you know, like I remember doing thing, things, songs by The Who and the Small Faces and stuff like that. Right, but, but
0: like the project like showed you Yeah, and we, you per- we could do it
1: and, and we and performed at like assembly at school and, yeah. and stuff and stuff like that and, um, but we were young, you know, we were like 11 or something <laughs> right. you know so it was quite mad um, and like I I, you know obviously we we were there was four of us in the band but I kind of I sort of remember being, it was me being the one that was like you know at least like initially being like right we can do this you, you, you play that you do that and you know um, so that was kind of the next thing that kind of sort of happened um, but yeah, because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, you're saying about like there being like older, older people. So I guess in that, in that case, it was like, I was actually quite inspired by by my music teacher, really, yeah. actually, because he sort of was like, you know, like took, took, took us seriously kind of when we were like, and helped us out. I remember him lending us, like, he lent he'd let me a guitar amplifier and... You know, I think I think he I think as well. I can't quite remember. I think he lent me a guitar, ele- an electric guitar, which I then actually proceeded to break.
0: How did you break it? I don't like, remember, but like I'm you, sure. Like broke,
1: broke it on purpose? No, or just no, like, no, you know, no, 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 no. It was like it an accident. But I'm like, sure I have yeah. some memory of like having to get this thing mended and being really embarrassed or something like like, like yeah. that. But yeah, he was he was a you know that he, he was a cool guy. But like the other thing I really remember at that time was there was one other guy in the band who was called Peter who I think played bass. And his, old, his sister was a bit older. Well, yeah, c- c- quite a bit older, like seven years older. And she used to go out, because by this point it was about like 1990 or something. And his sister used to go out to like illegal, illegal raves. Right. Um, and I used to just go over to his house sort of to like play on a Saturday morning. And his sister would often the time that I arrived, at like his house, like like my mum would drop me off there. His sister would come back, like still up.
0: Oh, like so you you up, get there early, in, early in the morning. Yeah, and like, she'd be coming back. She, from the she'd party. be coming back yeah. from
1: like you know, okay. and and I remember she'd often have like you know she would have bought a mixtape it was the days you know when like like these like raves you'd there'd be the DJs or whoever would be right, selling my mixtape. So like you know sell all
0: like. their stuff. Yeah, so she'd like
1: set. so she'd have like a mixtape and I remember like one of the first things we'd often do is we'd go and like sit on you know, like sit on the end of her bed or something like that and she would play she'd put on this mixtape she'd bought. and like you know like I'd I they they're probably wicked now, you know <laughs> but like yeah. i don't really remember I'm, 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 i remember that and I'm, I'm, i remember that she'd then tell us about the night out that she had before oh you know, right the so the, yeah so yeah. the tale
0: was like crazy yeah. to you and then yeah. you'd hear the music then yeah and it, and it would be like it'd be
1: like this is this you know and it just sounded like this totally like you know i was like 11 or 12 or something so it was like right. it seemed like the most amazing thing that was like just out of just out of our reach yeah, you know this is
0: clearly a pivotal moment yeah yeah, so so right that, yeah you know
1: that that was for me was quite i always remember that you know as being like a real thing as being like hearing this you know this music like i hadn't really heard anything like that before that i really liked and you know there was and also also actually being slightly scared by it a little bit there was that you know that childish sort of feeling of like being a little bit like oh it's a bit it's a bit scary you know she stays up all night and sort of being aware of the fact that they were obviously like taking drugs not that I quite even really properly knew what yeah, that, you, you they were, knew that they were or what they you did. You weren't supposed to be doing it. Yeah you know it was I, I i knew that it was kind of like what was going on was a bit illegal or something but but, but you know and equally thinking that was cool but being a bit scared by it as well you yeah. know.
0: And what was what was the sound that people were kind of playing at Raves in those days? Those nineteen ninety-ish
1: well, Yeah, like, like well that's well in in nineteen ninety it was kind of like a lot of well by nineteen ninety a lot of the UK stuff had really come in, like the kind of like Rave
0: Like eight oh eight state kind of. Yeah, yeah, like eight oh eight state. Yeah. And
1: so it was it wasn't you know, it, it had gone the sort of 87, 88 shoom london thing where it was all chicago records it was by this point now you were getting a lot more people making
0: right they'd already like digested it and yeah. were able to like kind of home, do, home do grown, their own homegrown stuff yeah.
1: yeah yeah so you had yeah like obviously from manchester you had 808 state but then uh, there was loads of stuff coming out of like the home counties and like london and and you know the the uk sound had already started to come in where you kind of had the breakbeat element, like, coming in, which was obviously, the you know, an influence more going back to sort of hip-hop and rare groove right. that, that, had, that had been really big earlier. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so that, it, it would have been that kind of, it would have been that kind of sound, you know.
0: So you were, at that point, were you sort of like, getting ready to go to your first rave? Like, was well, it no, like a dream,
1: was, or really it was fun. just like? No, because I, I was so young, and I remember, like, still at that point, really more being, even though I like, you know, I was sort of fascinated by it, and like we really liked it, it was like, it was still that element when I was just a kid. Yeah. Like, Do you know what I mean? It's, so it, was, it was, was out of the
0: realm of something. Yeah, it was out the realm,
1: and and also like I didn't like, you know, when you're a kid and you're like, oh, I like this, oh, I, I like, I like this as well, and you don't sort of quite have that same, you know. The, yeah, you this just kind
0: of glob onto anything that is yeah, in front of your you face. Know, for that moment. Sort of, like you don't that, have the attention span yeah. to like
1: follow it through. Yeah, it yeah, will also because yeah. you don't really have the means to follow it through. I remember like there was this skateboarding shop in um, uh, Kichester, which is like the nearest big town kind of to Selsey. I was used to going, to this, you know, we used to go to this skateboarding shop whenever like if we were in. When I was up like, shopping with my parents, I'd be allowed to go off and go to skate, skate and surf. I think it, I think it was called. And one of the things that it wasn't, I, would, I wouldn't only go in there for like the skate stuff. That they would also have like all the flyers for like loads of like the raves and like cubs all along the south coast. I always remember I'd go in there and like get you know take all these flyers even though there was absolutely no chance i was gonna go i've still i still got loads of them
0: yeah and I, like i did the same thing like collected like all these rave flyers and like yeah did, yeah only went to like a couple but
1: and i really remember my dad looking at what you know finding looking at one of them that i had one day and being and going well you can't go to that <laughs> and it was just like well i was like well of course like you know but i knew that i couldn't i think i remember saying to him like well of course i can't you know i'm I'm 12, you know, but like, you know, it's like... Mom, can you take me to the raid? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did realise there was no chance that I could go. We had like this school you know i used to go to my second my secondary school was was actually quite cool or or my first one i went to because i went to i moved schools and like my first secondary school was quite cool had like a youth wing which on like friday night they had a disco every friday night and like you know it was run by some sort of you know cool teachers you know but but they were they were they were actually quite cool and like i remember that you know It was, you know, it's a mixture of the fact that they they were quite cool people and also the fact that the charts had such good music in it at that time. Like, you you know, I really remember, like, yeah, hearing 808 State, you know, hearing 808 State at my school disco, basically, and stuff. You know, the first time I heard Primal Scream, you know, was at my school disco, and you know what else, like stuff off Three Feet High and Rising I've heard, you know, was played at my school disco and that, you know, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so like, um, I remember, by um, teachers, yeah, by teachers, Oops. yeah, yeah. but they were, you know, they were, you know, that's <laughs> the thing is, those records were in, like in the top 10, you know, right, like,
0: so was, they were, they were relatively adopted by popular everyone. culture, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, it was a, it was a great era, <laughs> yeah. I, I look back on it fondly, um, so what was I guess the next the next step for you?
1: Um, I'm trying to think now well like kind of I moved schools that was kind of quite a big thing um, just because my mum just you know I was I went to, to like a better school right basically so I had to sort of make new friends um, and then I kind of kind of I got I got in with a bu- with a bunch of kids who were more into you know like Nirvana and grunge and um and also at that school there was a lot more of a sort of a split between uh like the kids who were like into dance music and the kids who were into like rock music like the sort of
0: right like they hung out on Different sides, yeah. Like, you know, completely, yeah. Separated. It didn't, they you know, did and, and
1: would we we would fight each other, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, and like they were they were the kids who were like known as like ravers, and they were us, look, like, who'd be like known as sort of uh, grungers or gribos or. Like Grebo's? Kind of yeah, yeah. What is yeah.
0: that? What does that mean? Like, is like a rocker or like?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a sort of a UK, yeah, UK word okay. for like a, a rocker. Yeah. Like I've always loved Griebo. British slang. I, I think <laughs> it's like, I,
0: I, I think universally people do <laughs> tend to really like it. But um, yeah, my buddy James, like, he's like, oh, you're. Interviewing guy from London, and he like sent me like a list of terms to like grill you on, which I might later. But... Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, so I might I may ask you uh, to define what things. things if, yeah, right. it, when they come up. Is, is fair play not like kind of a British expression in itself? Or am I? Tripping?
1: Well, yeah, to be honest, it's like fair play. Like, yeah, it it is, but it's actually like not so much English. The like the Welsh kind of say it a lot. Go, go like. Oh, Fair Play, if, yeah, you know, yeah, you know about. Um, yeah, it is. But um, the the surname thing's kind of funny because my family kind of made it up. We were actually had originally had a different surname, and they changed their surname to Fairplay. So if you ever meet anyone whose surname's Fairplay, they're related to me.
0: Wait, because they because it's it was made up. Kind of because it was so, made yeah. up. There were no other oh. fair plays. It was, was, was it like a like an UK? immigration
1: thing? Like, it was an Im- it was an immigration. Because like yeah. what
0: I heard like with a lot of immigrants, they would come someplace and they'd be like, "What's your name?" and then they would say it and they'd be like, "No," or you know, yeah, like, they yeah, wouldn't yeah. be able yeah. to pronounce it. Yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. And so they would change it to something that would fit in. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Well, like, this
1: for us is because we had a German surname and it was during the First World War. Right. So. They, so decided that it
0: would be better to not disclose that and also give themselves the
1: most english name they could think of which is like fairplay right um but yeah so anyone in the uk who meets surnames fairplay they're related to me well as far as as far as i (laughs) as far as 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 i found out so far so So you
0: have come across other fair play people and like been been able to like kind of talk well, to, well, to be well yeah
1: thing. like but you know if you kind of look it up on social media or you know the, you know like I recognize everyone I go yeah it's my cousin <laughs> 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 honestly there aren't you know
0: no, like... I, I believe you I totally did <laughs> not expect to hear this
1: but it's kind of funny because you'd think that fair play would be a quite a normal surname you know it's not a To me it sounds like it's like it much could be a surname as anything else, you know, I'm surprised Uh, there isn't, you know, but yeah. like you know we all had long hair and like you know like lumberjack shirts on and Dr. Martins and really ripped jeans and like you know all the the sort of like the raver kids um, would all have Air Max on and you know bomber jackets and like really sort of like gel down hair and yeah we used to you know we used to like wail on each other all the time you know and um, yeah and like so that kind of so I kind of, the dance music thing sort of disappeared for a few years out of my like consciousness because I was, you know, and I was in, you know, I sort of got into bands, you know, being, being in bands um, with, with people, and um, was particularly in this band um, uh, called Scarpa um, for quite a, quite a few years even though the, the band changed its name a few times. Yeah, dance music didn't really sort of, it was about 90, it was about, ni- about 1995 then, when suddenly, kind of, I again heard. So, well, Also, I think the thing is that like dance music went through a period of being a bit shitty after being fucking really good. Like really, you know, at the, the, be- the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s, at least in, you know, in the charts, it got a bit, it did get a bit cheesy. And it was right. kind of, but you know, well, it
0: broke from being underground.
1: To, yeah, to then you know, being like adopted. And afterwards, was, the 808. People
0: were just trying to capture. Yeah, I mean, basically, like this sound is what people want, so let's yeah, just use yeah. it. And also, and, it yeah. got
1: quite songy because the thing that's quite cool about a lot of that really early stuff is that it's not very songy. It's really atonal and really sample-based and and odd. But like the second wave of it, like producers had come in and worked out how to sort yeah. of. Kind of pin a disco song to sort of one of these sort of house tunes, and I didn't right, sort or of it
0: has melodies or yeah, something. Yeah, that, and, like, and, yeah,
1: and, and I didn't get that so much, you know. Anyway, like, I'm, you know, and you know, it's not saying that now I look back at some of those records and like them now, but at the time, it didn't. They didn't sort of speak to me. So it wasn't. It was then probably not until like the mid '90s, and I then heard like heard like Daft Punk, uh, you, you know, first album Daft yeah, Punk, yeah. Um and uh first album chemical brothers right. and you know and, and that kind of stuff that i was then i suddenly heard dance music that again that was like i was like oh yeah this is this is quite cool you yeah know? i
0: mean I, I can completely i guess empathize because you know? like yeah daft punk and chemical brothers here and i hate to say it but fat boy slim yeah that was see, like, i was like yeah i was never i was yeah <laughs> that I was because like, i was kind of like not Yeah, I had nothing. Didn't want anything to do with dance music, and then all of a sudden that was on MTV, and they had cool videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that was for me. I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay,
1: but I I was kind of really into Underworld as as well. Right. um, Around that time, Um, and you know they they they're still, um, you know those Underworld albums. From that time, I still I still like those those, like first three or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, and and an orbital, yeah, the 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 orbital, yeah, an orbital, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I start, but I think that was, um, yeah, so that was when sort of like, and and then I started, you know, like we started going out to like clubs, you know. I, I it was still way before I'd like thought about like DJing myself, yeah, or anything. I was still like, you know.
0: Could you get into clubs underage uh, or, or well, were there, was there like specific venues that would let yeah, you Yeah, there, there,
1: were, there were places where you could kind of get in underage. Um, but I don't think I really got into a club until like 95 or 96 was the first time I remember sort of going to, you right. know, because I was about 18 then. The drinking so. age
0: in the uk is 18
2: right
1: yeah and that's also the age to get in some clubs is either 18 or 21 some sometimes but um like where i came from it tended to to more be 18. right um yeah so that so so that was kind of quite a big you know like a big thing was suddenly i was like oh yeah like electronic music um but but i was still i was still very much in bands you know and um yeah we're still in this band it would cold Scarpa or fierce black depending on what part of the uh, time we would take together um um but i think i was starting to get a little bit fed up with playing indie music you know like these sort of songs that were about like something something meaningful you know and i don't know it was like
0: were you were you writing actual song lyrics and stuff? Well, I didn't, write the, you, I didn't yeah. write the
1: lyrics. Okay. Like, mean, I didn't write the lyrics. I kind of wrote the the music or co-wrote co-wrote the music with with one of one of one of the other guys. But definitely, my attention was being drawn more and more towards sounds that were away from a distorted guitar, basically. And I was always pushing the band to do something with like a loop drum beat or something like that and right. they're all like they were all like no like you know your indie dance nonsense i'm like no it's just like you know like but um so anyway so i've I eventually bought yeah like a couple of years later i then i then bought a pair of decks and started djing um and then it wasn't sort of long on from then that i had a bedroom studio and started you know, at that point, making quite sort of rudimentary home home produced bits of. What you type know,
0: of uh, what type of records were you buying, like when you first got your decks?
1: About well, uh, kind of. Uh, well, I thought was, I kind of decided I was going to be a house a house DJ when I saw. That was pretty young, you know. Like I was, just, I was gonna I was going to play house house music. Um, But I think that was a little bit of a reaction because like around me at that point where I come from from the south coast everybody liked um, drum and bass or at that point even worse New School school Breaks which is like possibly my least favorite genre of music ever (laughs) Um, (laughs) and I detested it Um, so I would think I was a bit like no I'm going to be a house DJ because nobody around here is a house DJ you know. but i'd already but but you know but at the same time i had taste you know i was i was already i'd already heard stuff by that point like dj assault and all the sort of you know g- g- ghetto stuff um and i'd already heard like stuff like the two lone swordsman right um which meant that you know i wasn't when i was saying house music it wasn't just like sort of nap house music. I you know, I meant... Right, it,
0: it was kind of electro, and yeah sort yeah, of. Funky yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. but you know, yeah. I suppose
1: the thing was it was that four four music really wasn't big right. where I came from, really. Um, so that was probably more you know, more the thing, really. It was like, you know
0: Could you find ghetto tech stuff, like records easily out there?
1: Um, not in Chichester or Selsey, but you could in like if you went over to Brighton. Okay. there were like lots of good record shops that would like stock all of that kind of stuff right and would you um, say
0: that the record stores in the uk and like surrounding you in general were like generally really good or yeah they like, were really and,
1: good at that time because like, i know that
0: the uk has sort of that like uh they're famous for having really good record stores yeah, and yeah. a good music culture
1: like we we like I, th- I think the record stores now aren't as good as they were that's not to say that there aren't some very good record shops um but I think at that time, you know, at that time there was a a lot more good record shops. You know, you'd, you'd, you'd go to a, a cool town and there'd be like, you know, a few good record shops you go to for different things. And often even like within, within walking distance of each other, there'd be like six or seven record shops that were like, you know. And I'd, I'd go record shopping, in a, you know, and you would go, like, go to like, I'd go one to sh- one shop because it had a really good electro section. I'd go to another shop because it had a really good, you know, like house section I go to another shop because like it had a really good like sort of um, you know like v- reflex and that kind of sort right, of like right, section yeah. and I go to another one because it had a really good like kraut rock or like you know rocks y- stuff you know right. so like you know and this was all like- more
0: or less pre-internet so you were just kind of Learning about these record stores from your friends. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You just, you, well, you just walk, you just see them, and just go in and have a look. And if it was a good shop, you'd go back. You know, you'd you'd go back again. But it was kind of the thing that it was the beginning of the internet. Then, by this point, in that not well, not the beginning of the internet, but it was the beginning of, of things like discogs right. and stuff like that. Like discogs didn't sell things yet, but you could already like. Look up a list online and find an in, you know find out a label's entire like back catalogue, right? And you know and um, but any, But what what I was going to say was that the one thing that was really important was at that time I actually started working, like not that it was really like a cool record shop. Um, it wasn't it wasn't an underground record shop. I started working in our price, which was like a, a record shop chain in the UK. There was sort of like one in at one point. There was nearly like one in every city. If right, not, so if, huge, if not yeah. Huge it was change. was massive at one point. Okay, um, and it was it had started off as being an independent shop, but got big and uh, was bought out by Virgin or somebody like that. Um, and I started, so I started working in one of those, and that 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 was a, a really important thing for me as well because everyone well, I was probably probably the youngest member of staff there when like I, I joined and like everyone was like you know good few years older than me but they all had like loads of knowledge that I didn't have and it was they played me like the underground resistance first throbbing gristle first right. um probably like proper dub first
0: yeah, so they were Jeff like, Mills "You, you like this dance music? Like, why don't you learn about?" Like, yeah, yeah, some of the yeah, no, or, they or, really... originators of this sound. Yeah. yeah,
1: And there was this guy, and with like when I got my decks around that time, there there was, there was this guy who worked there called Tim, and like he he lent me loads of records because I only had like you know some I had some you know I had a, a, new, a brand new pair of decks in the mixer and like yeah twenty dance records or something you know right. so he 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 lent me like a flight case you know like a, a record a record box sort of worth of, of records to like learn with so that 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 was really super important as well and kind of totally got me out of you know that totally got me out of that sort of indie world and I sort of not didn't you know I was really like right, well, I'm not I'm not into that anymore like, I'm into like there's this other whole world of you know of like music and and also I think it was the like you know when I heard um you know to so say like you know i'd had a problem with some dance music because it was a bit you know there was all that sort of you know hand, handbag house stuff had been really big in the uk um wait i'm,
0: I'm not familiar with hand, that. handbag house ha- handbag house well, it was just, i, I it don't was know he
1: got known as handbag house it was just like really just sort of naff i don't know what would you get
0: like generic, or really generic. Just, happy,
1: okay. happy, happy, really happy. Uh, okay, just like it, ha- of, it almost has like no perspective. Yeah, kind of thing. just really endless. It, like, it got sort of known. It got to be known as Handbag House in the in the UK.
0: So when's Handbag House gonna make a resurgence?
1: Is uh, <laughs> another cool term. to like. Well, yeah, but also, but also it's kind of fun because I always the the last thing I always remember about those Handbag House compilation CDs is they would always have a girl with always have a girl with a, a fluffy bra on like you know like a (laughs) bikini top but it would be like fluffy (laughs) right so it was a very weird yeah but anyway so i kind of hated all that stuff but i remember you know the first time like being played like the the underground resistance and you know like you know you know and then but and hearing that and being like oh right this, this is like dance music but this is like um you know, it sort of it didn't seem to be actually some, from such a different world for like the the Stooges or something. Like I know right, that's an like it's an obvious thing to say, because they both w- come from the yeah, same Yeah, but it city, was but like raw. Yeah, and you know that like and, had I was, energy I was, that like yeah. came from
0: a place that didn't seem very manufactured.
1: Exactly, yeah. you know. So it suddenly it was like it spoke to me again, really. Which some I think you know and so, you know like early Daft Punk had, but. It spoke to me even more so than that even more like you know like when i heard had heard like 808 state and nwa and stuff like that when i was even younger and it was like that was probably a you know like a, a real big moment close to the DJing at this point I guess are you still in a band at this point or are you just well that was kind of it was around the end of of that like I remember I I just the band like everyone was pulling in sort of different sort of directions as I was just into dance music really wasn't into it anymore um and so I I said I wasn't going to do it anymore it was like Christmas must have been like 1999 or something like, like that, and um, I just sort of said, oh that's it, I'm not, I'm not going to do it anymore, um, and I, wasn't bo- I then wasn't bothered about the fact that I wasn't going to be in a band, do you know what I mean, even though I'd been in bands for years, I was just like, no, I'm just going to, but it still, I still hadn't quite dawned on me properly, um, like I had a bedroom studio and I'd been making some music, but it was still kind of probably more song-based, but it was still a few years yet until I sort of, you know, started making my own dance. You know, actually making my own dance music.
0: So um, what were you uh, using, like when you said you had a bedroom studio? Like, well, I'd, I'd I'm, like just, I'm just, I'm just curious. Like, uh, what, what was the
1: setup? I had like a, a Fostex four-track thing. Okay. Thing. It was like one of those really. It was like it was it was quite it was quite a cool one because it had four tracks to tape, and then it had two other it had two tracks like on the on the mixer like the were like separate so you could do this really cool thing with it when you could you could record a pulse to one of the tracks on the tape and use it to to sync like a sequencer or a sample or like a drum machine um which you could then put back through the the two tracks that didn't go to tape so you lost you lost one of the tape tracks but you got back you you got two. Like one from the a sample the a d- d- drum machine. So yeah, you actually had five. you actually had five tracks. Oh, I, like, I remember. It like I remember coach, it, like it, a- in those days, that was like amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. really, really amazing
0: because like you know I've worked with cassette four tracks before and it's so restrictive, you know. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many times where I just felt like if I just had one, one more, more, yeah, just yeah, one more yeah, track, yeah, 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 it would be,
1: yeah, like beautiful. Yeah, because what you do is you'd actually you just bout you just record like the s- sequence parts straight down, you know. When you bounced it, when you actually, you know, ran it. Um, so yeah, it was like one extra, one extra track. Like okay.
0: So that was sort of like the uh, the brain, I guess, of yeah. the operation.
1: But you know, but uh, as I say, like I was, it was quite rudimentary. A, like you know, like a just sampler and you know some, and it, yeah, it was pretty. And like I was making a lot of didn't have any didn't have any synthesizers or anything like right. that, that. Yeah, you know, it was like m- using samples or like me hitting things, or like, you know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, it was quite, you know. Yeah, like interesting drum, drum loops and like. Drum, yeah, yeah, drum loops with sort of strange noises on it. And, right. and, and And whatever, like, I could use, whatever I could use to make the sounds. Like, luckily, because, you know, it'd be weird lots of instruments in the house but you know it's the same with my sister being a harpist and his guitars um so there was like loads of things to hit strike p- you know we had a piano uh i think i did have some like Casio synth synthesizer that i'm sure got used a bit but i still remember thinking that thing was just a bit uncool actually at that at that time you know even though i think i probably own own one of them again now or something but like um um, but yeah, it wasn't until a few years later, really, until I started making music with um, Reason, Okay. Uh, that I really sort of started like making like something that you would call comparable to what what I do now, I suppose. Like that,
0: so. Right. And were you like in school or anything to learn more about how to produce, or was it just all? No, it was all self-taught. All just self-taught. Yeah, yeah at it home? was all
1: self-taught. Like I did, I did like for like my A levels, I did like photography and media studies and English literature, and then I went to university and did uh, philosophy. Um, so like it was always, I was self-taught and just sort of got on with it myself really.
0: Right, so so what came of that, I mean, were you, did you do live performances with any of that stuff? Did you put anything out? Like, um, um, well
1: no, you see I didn't, I was kind of when, yeah, all, 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 all that stuff kind of died down and I went to sort of university really. Um and but when I was at university was when I started going to this night that Andrew Wetherill was doing in London at the time called paywire okay um and um that was that was kind of a real like important thing for me because it was the first time I saw it was a- adult uh Legovel. Loads of those guys. It was the first, you know, because like he bought he bought them over. Or, right. Um, yeah. Adult was like from Detroit,
0: right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had um, even before adult. There was like another thing called like Lacar. car, La car amazing. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Like I was talking to um someone, someone about Lacar the other day. Who'd never heard of them. I yeah. Just, like, you know, like they they, yeah that. That early Lacar stuff's amazing.
0: Well, I, I got wrapped up in the whole electro clash thing when it happened. Yeah. Like adult was like part of that, but I always felt like but they were they, they were, were better, better than it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that was the group that we really liked. Like me and all my friends. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. um, to phones
1: cool. are classic still. Yeah. You know. Um so what what year was that? Well you so this by this time it was time? about two thousand ish. Okay. Um so yeah, so I so I started always going to these haywire sessions nights, and you know obviously quickly met people at right. one you know, of those, and that was kind of how I came to be in, in that band Batond, Um Was because um, there was a guy called Simon um, who I who I met at these haywire sessions parties, who knew who knew the lady who put it on Amanda. And right. that. And his girlfriend had start, had started this band with this other guy called mole, and they needed they just sort of needed a third person to sort of make it kind of work really because she sang uh, mole had sort of written some synth bits and some sort of drum bits um, and I think it wasn't quite you know it wasn't quite enough just the two of them on their own and also she she wanted the band to have sort of live guitar or bass.
0: Right.
1: Um, so yeah, so that's so that's kind of the thing that happened next. Really, was that I joined I joined that band.
0: W- who were, was Weatherall was like the uh, he started that night or was uh, he like a resident or was how? Like, he yeah. was the resident.
1: Okay. Um, like, who who, like, who were the other like
0: DJs or, or was uh, it well, was it only DJs or was it like a a live thing too? Well,
1: the, you, the night was really, yeah, it was run by this woman called Amanda, Amanda Burton. Okay. Um, even though she had there their other there were well, other girls involved, but it was all run by a group of girls. Um, and yeah, Andy was sort of their main resident along with Keith Tenniswood,
0: right? Um, Who's the other uh, half of Two Lone Swordmen? Yeah, the yeah, and
1: Radioactive Man, yeah. obviously is well. Um, so yeah, it was kind of normal that both or one of those two would always do the party, um, but they they just got people that you know there there was a lot of people who if it wasn't for that night wouldn't have come to play in London, really right. at that at that time. As I say, it was a definitely I don't you know I'm not sure if he was the first person to bring him over, but definitely the first time I saw. You know, I saw like Lego Velt, Org Electronique, DJ Overdose, loads of, loads of, loads of the Dutch lot. Right. You know, it was the first time I saw them was at like Haywire. You know, so it was it was it, it was hugely important to me not only from the people I met there because you know fundamentally I ended up meeting Andrew. Yeah. I mean, already, like, yeah, point, yeah. Right? Well, I mean he was already like an established legend. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he was he was he was already a legend, but he was also at that time probably you know, he was he you know that was uh, you know, after him being well known, that was probably the most underground he kind of went again really in a way because he sort of, you know, like you know that night put on some some of the music, <laughs> you know, they used to play at that was was pretty terrifying to be honest, even by like standards now, you know, it was it was pretty underground. It like wasn't you know, it wasn't sort of Balearic house or anything <laughs> right, you know right. at all. Right. You know, it, it was, was like intense it was like ball music. hard yeah. like sometimes, you know, and 100, 145 BPM electro, you know, and in a in a room with no lights, you know. Right. Like and no air conditioning at the height of summer, you know, everyone would be like as if they had a bucket of water thrown over them. It was it was a pretty intense fight.
0: So your band which was called what? Baton?
1: Yeah, yeah. Batant. It's like the French word for hitting or striking. Right. Um I didn't come up with the name. <laughs> Chloe came up with the name. Okay. Um but like the, the the thing sort of with that was that um we that was how we I've, we then needed somewhere to rehearse. Mm-hmm. Um and we 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 did this one gig like we were asked to i it's one of those ones when i was i was asked to join this band and i was like yeah you know you get asked to join bands you know like and you're like yeah cool and then you know then nobody ever even ever ever rings you and goes do you want to actually come and jam do you know what i mean it's like you get asked to do something that never happened so i was a little bit when she asked me to do it i was a little bit like yeah i'm up for that you know and Thinking that not much would come of it. Well, yeah, or um, maybe we'd get together. One, you know, I, yeah. did, I, you know, it wasn't like. Yeah, I don't mean, I don't mean that in any mean way towards her. I just mean that from like general experience, you and know, just being that just age. Like, yeah. Of, hey, yeah. man, we should jam. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so. But anyway, so the next thing I heard was that she then like, rang me or something like that. A couple of weeks later, and was like, "Right, we've got a gig." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, well, we haven't even sort of met we haven't even done anything yet, and also, haven't you only got two songs?" It's <laughs> just like, "Yeah, yeah." So it's like, "Well, we need to write some like, we need to at least write another two songs <laughs> pretty <laughs> quick, so we've got four songs." Um, so yeah, we 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 did that and um, did this one gig which there is a video of, actually. Um, and I, think, I think we only did four songs, or maybe five songs. Um, but it was kind of successful. Like, I played the guitar, Mold, stood with the laptop, Chloe sang. <laughs> and um, But, like, your yeah, Andrew was there. He, re- he really liked it. It sounded kind of, you know, it sounded it was a bit like Suicide, crossed with Su- Susie and the Banshees. At okay. that point is the best way to sort of describe it. Right. So it was almost um, like this
0: primal electro rock and roll kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Is that, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Um and so, so Andrew liked it. We needs we needed somewhere to rehearse and he had a spa- he had a spare room in his in his studio. Um so yeah, we ended up rehearsing out of Andrew's studio, and that's fun you know, I, I had met Andrew before then. Um, but fundamentally that was how I got to actually sort of like n- know the guy rather than just going like hi Andrew. Yeah. Right. So we, we kind of had this thing with that band when we were sort of yeah as I say we literally had like five songs, four songs. We recorded a demo um, of two of them or one of them even, and we we recorded a demo of this song called Jump Up mm-hmm. and which we funnily enough recorded in one of Banana Rama's home studios okay because like I think Mole like knew her boyfriend or something like that and she had this home studio and like we ended up doing it there she's a just just in one evening I don't think she was even there right but, you know but but that's, still. that's where that's where we recorded it which is really funny um,
0: were you getting kind of hands-on on recording at this point not
1: really at that no. point like okay. I was a little bit like I just you know I'd kind of co-written the song right and I played the guitar on it really um, and um, yeah so w- we recorded this demo um, and I gave it to a friend of mine called Mabs, who was one of the DJs at um, Evil's Night uh, Trash that was at the end in 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 London. Okay. And he start he started playing it at Trash. Okay. And people just really liked it. It's just this really daft song that kind of. I suppose that one kind of sounded almost a little bit like Devo or something. So he's he started playing it at that. People were responding really well to it, um, so we were asked like a like Amanda from Haywire had a had a little record label, so she was like, "Well, shall we shall we shall we do a baton like EP um, on the label?" So we did. So we went in with Tim, who was uh, in Death in Vegas, um, and yeah, recorded the first EP um, which I think which then on the other side there was we, we, there's a, a so did
0: Tim from Death in Vegas he produced it or well yeah like yeah yeah he, he, he,
1: he, he, he engineered it and okay. p- produced it right. yeah and on the B side there's a remix by the two lanes there's one remix by the two Lone swordsman there's a remix by somebody else now but I can't I can't remember who it who the other ones by but um so yeah, it was also like you know, like um, that was also really cool. Like, right? Like you
0: had some names. Yeah, to like the well, projects. you know, like, yeah, I couldn't,
1: like I couldn't believe I was suddenly in this band that had got a Two Lane remix. This was kind of really cool. Um, and we were, but the thing was, is we were ridiculously hyped. Like we were hyped quite too much for the stage that we were at. Because really, we'd just recorded all the songs we had you know, onto
0: this. Right. Uh, by record. just fans or by, like, the press by, or like,
1: like... By, like, the music, press. The music so press. like We even appeared in, in like, Music Week, which is, like, the sort of industry magazine in London as, like, you know, like, one to watch and all this kind of sort of stuff. But we weren't... We just weren't ready. You know, like... Yeah. Like I, had, I had more musical experience because of being in previous band, You know, being yeah. in previous bands who'd spent time in recording studios and stuff um but like chloe was you know it was the first band chloe had ever sung in you know right. and like you know we were going and doing these gigs that was probably like you know the fourth time she had ever done a gig and it was like we were playing you know, like two into two industry people and you know so we kind of basically we messed it up you know because we just because we weren't really ready yeah you know
0: So did you guys like kind of come and go or like did the band, the band lasted for a while. Yeah, no, no, we didn't,
1: we didn't, we didn't start. an album on Kill the DJ um, which is like a French label Um, that was in 2010 or something okay Um, and um, maybe a little bit earlier than that anyway um but like for me by that point i was already a bit like the band had been together by that point for like 6 years like kind of like when the album came out and it was a bit like it was a bit too late you know it was just one of those it you know it happens sometimes right. you know we blew up we had this one really one really strong song called jump up really that you know could have been a you know a hit maybe and but we didn't really have anything else and then by the time that we'd actually got to release our album it had gone on for too long there'd been too many years of it being just generally a bit boring being in the band um so as soon as we toured the uh, the album i left the band i went i just i'm not i'm not going to do it anymore i didn't want to sort of let chloe down so like you know i did the whole of the promotion for like the first album right but as soon as that was done i was like yeah that's it i'm not you know I'm not I'm not doing any more and they didn't they did they didn't stop she did another album um, after that and now and now she releases music herself you know right. so um, but um, anyway so I I quit but in the meantime in in these years when um, I've been basically a bit kind of fed up and bored being in baton really um, I would sort of turned our rehearsal studio into my studio you know, like we still, we still, we still rehearsed in there.
0: Right, but you started bringing all your Yeah, I'd, I had a desk yeah. in there.
1: I had a mixing desk. I, had, you know, I didn't just have a PA for us to play through. I had got monitors. I would started buying synths, drum machines. The, the room was getting fuller and fuller of my stuff, right. and I would started making my own music because basically I would write things, and you, you know, the, the band wouldn't want to do them. Right. So I sort of, and at first that really annoyed me, you know, because they were like, they didn't want to, Baby didn't want to branch, which is fair enough, you know, you know they didn't want to branch out um, of the sound. So anyway, I kind of got used to this, and I was like, well, I'm going to, I'll make, I'll just make my own music. So I used to be, so then I would, that, it was that point that I started being in, you know, like we'd only rehearse as a band like once a week. Right. But I would be in there on my own every night just making music um, and it was kind of at that time that a lot of the early stuff that I released was composed really right. like even though it might might not be might have not come out still for like a few years right
0: but you were some of your early records yeah we done years that, before yeah yeah, yeah we were done
1: at that time when I was when I was still in the band when I left the band I I sort of turned around to them all and said like I'm leaving the band but I'm keeping the studio, and that's that's what happened. Like they knew by that point that like I was the one out of the band that was like
0: right there constantly, of, like you know the majority of your stuff. Was the crew yeah. that there. I was yeah. kind yeah. of
1: like one of the, I was one of the studio crew, yeah. And they came in, you know. And I don't mean that as a bad you know thing because everyone liked them, you know. Yeah, but it no, was like I was, was I was always there, you right. know. It was my studio by by that point. Um. So I stayed there um, but you know I was initially a bit like well I don't know what I'm really doing what I'm doing now I've been in this band for years you know I, did, I wasn't didn't have a job at that point either um, partly because I just had to, I just had had a year of sort of touring with the band so I didn't really I wouldn't have been able to really have a, a full-time job anyway because I was I, I was away so much so I was unemployed. And was a bit like, you know, like, shit, what am I doing with myself? Um, but Andrew, after, you know, like like a, a, a few months after I quit, he walked into my studio and was like, oh, I've been asked to do a, a Nick Cave remix. Would you like to do it? <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, like,
0: are you serious? But yeah, of
2: course. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> So we did we did we did, did, did this Nick Cave remix, uh, and that was the start of me working with Andrew really, and you know I then um, was you know like his engineer, but then. That culminated with us doing the Asphodels, obviously. Right. Um, you know, and w- did that kind of happen naturally
0: or was it like you guys had an idea for a project the and you there thing. like...? Well,
1: Andrew came up with the name, right. you know, um, and he came up with this the first thing we did was the cover version of um, A Love From Outer Space. Right. Um, which he wanted to he wanted to do a cover version of that and so he came up with that name the Asphodels, with a name that was like the pair of us right and well you know and on the album I think he does actually have both of our names at the top as well but like he was very aware of you know like you know being you know like this is like a group rather than you know like everyone's gonna think you know think it's you know. Yeah, so I mean I him.
0: I was really into two Lone Swordsman um, and some of the things that he was doing and the way that I heard of you was from he had a label, it probably still does, called Bird Scare. Bird
1: Scare, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I was the I was the first Yeah, you were on, you were the, the first label. release on Bird yeah, Scare, yeah, so yeah, I think
0: yeah. I, I had like read something about it online and then I yeah, checked it out yeah. and that's how I first heard about you. And that was before the Asphodels or was that after I can't. I can't even remember. Yeah, like,
1: you see, I'm not really sure. It, yeah. I'm not really sure if it, it seems was like it was before. about the same. time. About though. the same time. There was yeah. a real period of real busyness, you know, when like it feels like a lot more. One of those things when it feels like more times passed, but now if I actually like look it up, I was like, wow, that was all like that was all that all happened only in you know like a few a, f- a few years like like all those things happened.
0: Right? right. And um, but I think that that probably did a lot for you as an artist you know your name obviously being backed by him and being like the first release on his new label yeah of course you know that and it was like a pretty massive sounding record you know it was it it was (laughs) like dubby as hell really fucking loud like (laughs) yeah and I just I remember trying to play it out DJing (laughs) and like I think I cleared the floor, to oh, be honest. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, could you Like, I think I played it as, like, a last song, like, trying to, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah The song's yeah. big and it's gnarly, you yeah, know, and yeah. people were just like, what do we do? <laughs> Not yeah, to no, diss, because yeah. I love that but no, song. No, but you got to like,
1: remember, the, the label was... The the reason the label was called Bird Scareer was kind of for that reason. Right. Was that, like, um, you know what a Bird scarer is? It's like a cannon thing that, that, that like, farmers put in fields to, like, scare... Yeah. Birds away. Right. So, like, there was kind of a little bit that ethos of the label anyway to, like, you yeah. know, it wasn't going to be, it wasn't expected to be the most accessible tunes, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could take it even
0: further with British slang and birds a woman well no I wasn't wasn't gonna (laughs) I I
1: wasn't gonna say that but actually that is also that's the that's the story of how the label came about actually being called that oh really was because we used to have a joke that uh, you know those records that like all the women leave the dance floor (laughs) that's what that's what we call them a bird scarer wow I was was
0: sort of right I mean I didn't think that that was the reason but
1: (laughs) But no, but also it is a, but that's, but the reason for that is that, you know, a bird scarer is like, yeah, like mm-hmm. a cannon. But yeah, that was, right. that was how it came. That is actually how it came about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Yeah,
0: but uh, I guess going back to the Asphodels, that that was really cool because yeah, it did like your name was yeah, right there yeah, along yeah, his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. no, was, he's yeah, obviously was cool. like a legend in dance music. Yeah, and, no, yeah. It was,
1: you know, it was it, it was really cool that we did. You know, we it was sort of like done as a totally kind of sort of you know obviously it's Andrew, he's you know yeah. he's a legend, but you know he he totally he totally did it as like a level sort of playing field thing, you know. And but we did, we made that album. We very much made that album together, you know, it's kind of like so, you you know, it was cool. I think we'd only done this cover version of A, a Love Amount of Space. So we, we, we made the rest of it just, like, really quick. Like, in a month or six weeks or something, I would have thought. Like, really, it had to be done by... I think we sort of had two months to make it. And, like, we easily did it within that two months. We just, just right. did it as soon as we'd finished one, went straight into doing another one. And then I think pretty much every... Everyone just ended up on the record i think except for one that maybe ended up as a bonus thing but you know it was um it just we just sort of but we were so on the same page at that time of what we were all like we're well not you know and, and even not just me and um andrew what so everyone in the studio was listening to we were all listening to like lots of um kraut rock and like uh like early early uk industrial in music and like cold wave and you know and that was kind of what the album was sort of supposed to that you know for me that's right. what the album was a was about like it gets referred to as you know being other other genre names are given to it now right um but that's for me that's you know that's kind of it's, it's just a representation of what we were listening to at the time that yeah was like uh Innovative Communication, you know that label. Yeah, yeah. Cal Short's label, like the early stuff on that. Severed Heads. Um, Thomas Lear, Robert Rental. Um, uh, Mobius and Plank. And, you know, th- those kind of... That, that was what that that was all kind of about. But that was all we were listening to in the studio, really. Right. So.
0: And... What other producers were in that studio? I mean,
1: uh, like- that when we were making it, uh, I think Scott Scott was there, just
0: so this is Scott Fraser. Frazier? Frazier, yeah, yeah. You know,
1: yeah, who I run who, right. who I run the label with. I think Richard Fearless was in the studio. Yeah, so I think I think it was I think I think that was who was down there. Okay. then I think yeah yeah when I was making that was
0: that like the what they re- refer to you guys as like the Sutton's like Scrutton
1: Street, Street Access Scru- Scrutton Street Access, Access. yeah okay. I don't I don't know where that came from and um but yeah, it seems to be what we get. We get referred to. Okay. Well.
0: <laughs> so, so you guys finished and put out the Asphodels album. Yeah. And uh, did you tour or do anything? Uh, like, well, no, not not usually. Anything?
1: Like we didn't. We did, but there was some talk of us going and doing it live. But it never, you know, it never really sort of happened. It maybe would have been a bit difficult to do because it was such a live-sounding album. But there was only the two of us. You know, we would have almost had to like. It was either that case of going out and just doing it and it being a bit like we've got ableton and you know yeah but it was so live sounding it was like you almost needed to go out with a band and sort of do it but yeah that, i but felt that, like
0: you couldn't really tour that album without a band like, yeah you no, have like someone playing bass yeah yeah Prob- probably like
1: oh, ba- yeah, yeah and I mean, guitar on yeah, a lot yeah, of it exactly. as well and synths and like, i suppose maybe you could get away with not having a live drummer but you know apart from apart from that yeah, it kind of was was more than just some people with synths and laptops kind of thing. And obviously, Andrew sang on some of it. Right. Um, so no, we'd like we we and Andrew did some gigs together. We obviously that was when we were doing the um, we did the festival in France. And me and Andrew were DJ together as the Asphodels. But maybe that was a bit you know the sound of that was a bit different anyway because it was. Just DJing, <laughs> you know, so yeah. Um uh but yeah, like the so so that kind of by then it was really up to the point where we lost the studio, really. Um
0: And what was the I mean why did you guys lose the studio? Uh
1: just just because it was it, it, it I don't think it's happened yet, but it's being redeveloped into flats, like everywhere in East in East London. Oh,
0: uh, right. So it's like the actual owner of
1: the yeah was, yeah sold was, it sold it or sold something it yeah. Gave,
0: so you had like a, a certain amount of time to vacate mm. or something.
1: Well, I got out. I got out in a few months. Um, I think Andrew Andrew had so much stuff down there. He was in there for like another year nearly. Um, I probably I could have stayed a bit longer, but I don't know. There was something I was kind of I felt a bit like I didn't want to be there for like the bitter end of it or something you know so like and also I was a bit I was just a bit worried about not having a space to make like music in really so um, me and Scott went off together and and actually built a, a little studio in Hackney.
0: Out the Asphodels in was that like 12 2012 maybe
1: 2000, a little bit later than that, like 2013, late. 2014. Okay, I think. And then
0: you also had um some 12 inches coming out, yeah, under your name around the same time. Well, like
1: the first, the first thing I put out came out on the f- French label um in two. Yeah, French label called Astrolab, and I think that was 2010, 2011. Okay. That was that was the first thing that was just
0: just under the Timothy J Fairplane name.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the second one I think was Cleopatra Loves the Acid on World Unknown. Right. And then I think the third one was the first release on Bird Scare. Was it okay. You, yeah, and that was how. That's yeah, how I. Yeah, the, I Final uh, reel you, yeah. thing, yeah. Um, um, but, but then we see, but it was around that time that me and Scott started doing the Crimes of the Future parties.
0: Okay, so it started as a party.
1: Yeah, first it, first it was yeah in in Glasgow at the Berkeley Suite, okay. um, uh, which which is some really cool venue in Glasgow, and Scott's
0: from up there. Originally, he's from up there originally, right? yeah. which is
1: partly why we were asked to do it up there because like because yeah. like the guy who. Wanted to promote it for us was an old was an old friend of Scott's. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we 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 started doing that party, and at first it took a little little bit of time to to find its sound really. Um, Did you have like a concept going into it? Well, I suppose the thing was is we 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 had a concept in that it was what we were doing at the time, but maybe that was a bit of an un, as far as you know the, the your average music listener at that right. point it was um yeah because I
0: felt like you guys were kind of on your own sort of yeah. journey or, yeah, or yeah, tip we, you yeah. know like in terms of what dance music producers and DJs at large were doing at that time yeah. like you guys sort of had a different take on yeah
1: it. well you we were sort of doing this you know stuff that was kind of like a mixture of sort of house music and kraut rock or something kind of you know um but quite quickly me and Scott realized that when for our night when we were going to play, we wanted it to be more, actually, to be a bit, a bit more straight up for the for the dance floor. Right. Um, but you know, we still wanted it to, ha- it to have those sort of cerebral elements. But when it came down to it, when we, you know, when we were playing, we kind of, we kind of liked to sort of, you know, rock it a bit, you know. So um, it quite quickly turned into yeah, this sort of mixture. More of like house, techno, electro, italo, um, and then also you know things like new beat. Like um, as I say, still very much not not a straight up house techno night, but like more like a sort of a more a more dance floor version of the music that we were at that point sort of more known for. And obviously, it always had that kind of partly with with the name of it. It always had that slight cinematic. Right. Side, you know, with the sort of the, the film soundtrack thing, So Obviously, Crimes of the Future* is a David Cronenberg film, a really early one. Right. So, you know, there was always that that sort of synth film soundtrack kind of element to it as well. But you know, we wanted people to dance. We didn't want it to just be. You know, a chin, a chin strokey night. We kind of wanted it to be like, <laughs> you know, we we wanted women to come. And, right. You know, right.
0: You wanted it to be for more than just the uh, the record nerds.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. Of course. You know, I, there's no point. You know, I'm not. And when it comes down to it, I'm not. You know, I like making people dance. You know, there's nothing I hate more than DJing to a room of people who are like, you know, maybe enjoying it, but they're like standing there like. Listening. Right, you or know, I like, want people. they're to...
0: like talking about the significance exactly. of it as opposed to exactly, like yeah. To well, know that, you know. I, I, I want yeah. people. to I just
1: want people to dance when it comes down to it, and um, yeah. and also like you know, in my earlier, you know, my earlier DJing days, like you know, I used to play sort of, you know, I used to, I used to play Chicago house, booty house, ghetto tech, pretty mental electro, you know. So like, and quickly when we started doing a night, you know, all those things. You know you know maybe we were doing it in a different way but you know all those things sort of came back to us you know you, you know and we, we we quite quickly started finding that we were playing really quite across the spectrum and like we would you know because me, me and Scott always play at, at those all night like back to back and it'd be quite common for us to start at like 100 bpm and then I you know end at 135 bpm it was you know it was quite you know we'd we'd play, you know, the, the, the thing I always say about the night and the label is that like, you know, it's sort of if we play it, it's a Crimes of the Future record or if we, you know, if we release it, it's a Crimes of the Future record. There'll be something about something that for me makes it, it fits, you know, rather than it just being, my attention span's too short for to just play the same thing kind of all night really.
0: Right. So did the night uh, take off like... Uh, no, it, took, it, it took, took. No, it took. Like... It, it took.
1: A, it took. A, it took a while to like find its to like find its feet, um, and, and we also did some one-off ones um, in London, um, and and we quite quickly started doing it as a sort of touring thing. You know that we would me and Scott would go and play, at places and sort of be billed as Crimes of the Future, um, and and then. It was a couple of years until we started the label, and like the the, the first release on the label was by me. It was the first Antoine Rouge right. release. Even though at that time I didn't admit it was by me, um, even though I sort of made it so blatantly obvious it was by me by protesting that it wasn't by me <laughs> in every chance I had, right. saying it was this like this weird other figure who was part of uh, the Scruton Street Access uh, who like. You know, nobody ever really saw, and had fallen out with everyone, and all you know, all these kind of sort of stupid stories. But and
0: was that your first time using like a pseudonym? Uh,
1: yeah, it was. It was my first time using a pseudonym. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I, I would, if it was up to me, I would do that more. But in this climate. It's harder to sort of do the pseudonym thing right, so much like, now. Yeah.
0: Do you want your record to sell, or basically, <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Not? You know, like gone are the days of you know, like I love you know because it's a real thing. I love like you know those records, you know, like when you don't know who it's by and like all well, you know those artists. Like I love artists who constantly release under different pseudonyms, and but not not so many people really do it anymore. You know, like it's, yeah. I mean,
0: like, it goes against like the uh, I guess the the book of branding well yeah. Yeah, yeah it's you know it's it's
1: like people are more conscious these days of having everything tied into their instagram account aren't they and well yeah so, i mean like, and,
0: and these days everybody you know. is basically like trained to be like a marketing specialist
1: but also it's a <laughs> thing that everyone's a lot more visible yeah you know so like in the old days it wasn't so visible like often you go and buy a record and the only thing you knew about it was the record, do you know what I mean? Right. So you'd, like, like, you'd, you'd study everything yeah. about the the sleeve to try and work out who is this by, where has this come from? Right. You know, and but now you know everyone's so visible. Like you know, you didn't. There were lots of people who were quite big in the 90s, really, in an underground way, and you still didn't really know what they looked like right but you bought you know you bought six records by them and you you know and
0: yeah these days you can pull a record up and know nothing about it and learn everything about it in about five seconds exactly yeah yeah,
1: yeah. you look it up on discogs to find out who it's by where they live a photo of them, yeah you, you can know, see and,
0: how much it sells for and then like without even listening to it you may have already decided that it's not
1: worth your time yeah yeah of course no, yeah yeah you know, i mean There's not not that you but, should go by no, the protocol yet, but
0: people do it's
1: you know it's the way things have gone yeah it's
0: unfortunate that a lot of that mystique has like vanished
1: yeah and I love I love the mystique side of things you know um and like I tried to sort of do a a lot of that earlier on when I started releasing stuff but then I sort of realized a little bit that it was um maybe was working against me a little bit but I still but it's funny because you know I sort of um you know I still do some of it I do the releases as Junior Fairplay um, and I still get people come up to me sometimes and be like oh is that you? You know i be <laughs> like, I'm like yeah of course it's me of course it's me and it's like even like on the most the most recent one it was actually was the first time I've ever put a photo of myself on the front of a record but it wasn't a Timothy J Fairplay one it was a Junior one so it was kind of a bit like look it is Come on, guys! It's me, you know. Like,
0: and where, where did you come up with the the name Junior?
1: The, well, the name Junior Fairplay actually goes back years. Like, it's what I was going to call myself, kind of, when I decided I was going to like be a house DJ, like when I was like, you know, 19 or something. But I never really used it then. Right. Um, and it's like been my, it's been my like, it's my username on loads of things online and that, and um, I just quite like it. You know, it's just kind of like a. You know, there's that house thing of Junior Vasquez and right. you know, Junior it, Sanchez. Yeah, exactly. Like, it yeah. was kind of like it was kinda of like me having a bit of a joke.
0: Right, like, like I'm, I'm part like, of this house yeah, like true yeah. to yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It was okay.
1: kind of it was kind of me just having a bit of a joke with, with that. But actually that all that material really has actually morphed into sort of sounding more like sort of early Apex or black or black dog. Right. Or something really anyway, so maybe it, it doesn't really fit with that. Anymore, anyway, but you know, it's kind of you know, I that's the pseudonym I'm gonna keep using. Yeah. I so, think, so, so what
0: like kind of caused you and Scott to say, like, let's make a label?
1: Uh, well, I, I, well, I just thought, you know, we just thought that like, I suppose it's just something that you just think you've got something to say, you know. There was like, there was a sound that I kind of from 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 my you know, I can't necessarily talk for Scott, but from my point of view, there was definitely a sound that I wanted to push. which There wasn't so many people doing, when we started doing the label, like now it's kind of a bit, you know, a bit more has has come back, you know, and especially with a lot of those Holland sort of labels returning or new, you know, new Dutch labels are kind of more doing that sort of Italo, electro, um, new beat kind of sound. But, you know, at that time, there wasn't really you know and that was always fundamentally what i was sort of into so that's kind of what we sort of went with really um and then the label's still kind of you know i don't hugely think the label has a you know the label doesn't have a particular sound but from my point of view i think you know it's you know it's, you know, it's like what i was saying earlier with with what what we play at the night it's like you know, I'll I'll hear a record. Somebody will send me something, or someone I know will play me something, and I'll be like, "Yeah, that's a you know, that's a Crimes of the Future record." That's like right, you know, like you'll
0: be like, "That's the type of record that we're yeah, you know, then- like the, the
1: the most the most recent one is kind of like an Italo thing. The thing before was um, like a New Beat thing. It was the, the Vissetti Technicolor one recently that was you know a film a f- 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 very cinematic sounding thing. The Mystic. The, the mystic bill 1 was just a house record you know yeah. um so it's the next one's kind of like an electro thing um so you know we're up for all sorts of anything really as long as like you know i or we think it like it fits really yeah.
0: I felt like the uh, like the cinematic aspect of things was really something that you guys as a label kind of honed onto. Yeah. And I know in a lot of your productions, like I was always like, this guy definitely knows a lot about horror films. Yeah. From like yeah. the late 70s yeah, and yeah, early yeah, 80s. Do. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I mean. Well, he's a big influence. Yeah, it's I mean, a- I yeah. would watch a lot of that stuff me and uh dave from loose shoes like he schooled me to like all these
1: great right, okay horror yeah, yeah.
0: soundtracks and then when i started talking to you originally i was like oh have you seen
1: cannibal Ferox?" and you're like yeah of course like. <laughs> <laughs> and and i was, like all, right. I was so like all right so i was cool, yeah, like all right this guy's cool like i know about i know about a lot of that kind of stuff but <laughs> yeah. i think i think maybe like um in fact the next release is a bit of a return to that sound yeah for you know we haven't done you know, so maybe the Vesetti Technicolor one, but it's a sound we kind of backed off from it a little bit. But partly just because lots of other people have been doing it again, you know, and like you know, there's those there's those labels like Death Death Waltz, yeah, and obviously Gallo um, Disco. You know, that, that that like fundamentally that's what they do, right? They're um, like
0: slasher, yeah, yeah, slasher, yeah, slasher, basically like techno, yeah, like slasher.
1: And you know, even though I, you know I really like it, and you know I've released records by both, you know, Anton Malvi and Vesetti Technicolor, but I still f- felt that, like, it's not something... I didn't want to quite get too pigeonholed into it. And also, a lot of my favourite labels, like, you know, over the years, if I really look back at labels that I really obsessed over, which are things like Vulex, Bunker, uh, it, you know, they all um, actually release quite a wide range of sounds, you know, like, and I always kind of wanted to be that sort of label really When right. you know not, whether it just
0: be like we're the hot sound of this yeah comedy, yeah, like, yeah yeah just
1: be like you know like yeah well you know like and also you know in this day and age when you you sell less you only press 300 you know you sell less i often think that like if you want to have a big spread you almost don't want every you don't want the same people to buy the every record right yeah, you know, you want, you know, if you're only selling like you're selling less, you want different people to come in,
0: right? Like you want to introduce a different crowd. Yeah, to your yeah, label kind of, every you time you put something out, kind
1: yeah, of. Like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, because yeah. then you and then you get more of a spread of people, and you know, it's quite good that you know some people, and I don't think there's there's there there isn't you know there isn't a single record we've released that there isn't some people who are into it, you know, but yeah. but you know people different people like. You get you get the odd ones like the Anton Malvi one that everyone seems to love, you know. But but yeah, you know, like not everyone likes everything, you know. And right, like, or there be I, the I person can't...
0: who's like, I love this specialized type. Of music that this record sounds like, exactly. And like, yeah, 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 I can't yeah. believe that you put out a record, yeah, that yeah, that yeah. is like this Dutch record from '92.
1: Yeah, yeah, like yeah, or that's right? really, yeah, yeah. kind of really, yeah. You know, and like, I think maybe we pushed it a little bit far when, we, when I did the Sugar purse which which was the first uh, Junior Fair Play record when it was just like this like New York house thing. And I think we'd just done a run of really like y sounding stuff, and then we did that, and people were a bit like. Yeah. Have they I gone mean, mad? But actually, like lots of people like that record in hindsight. But like at the time, I think that one was maybe a bit of you know you still you still have to play these things kind of of right, you know. Yeah. So
0: and that, that was one thing I, I liked a lot about like someone like Lego Well, was like yeah, yeah they would just find some obscure concept of yeah yeah of yeah. a dance record and then. Do their take on it? Yeah, like, exactly.
1: Like, well, you know, you know, it would make you a, think
0: about like what their influence was.
1: Yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. Or like, yeah, or you, you know. would already know it, or maybe you, you wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, you know, and like you know, yeah, no, no, you know, he's uh, you know he's, he's obviously isn't you know he's an, he's an influence, and but one of the main ways that is that he is an influence is just how wide that his his spectrum, yeah, ca- kind of is, and like I you know I totally. Uh, you know i i I always loved that about him, and you know I always kind of knew that you know i I wanted to sort of be like that too, you know yeah. you know if not necessarily with the music I make but with you know the that mixed with the music I release on the label as you know yeah not well, not in a way know. that you're
0: like copying just in a way that like you're willing to take a chance on like going out of a comfort zone yeah, yeah, into some exactly, some type yeah. of genre of music that you like and then just like making something in that style, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Exactly, like, you know, it's like, and, and, you know, weird, I always like weird, weird records anyway, so like, you know, like, sort of makes sense to me, really. most recent thing I'm doing, I've been like, working on some an album, stroke albums. Um, I've been, been making this album for a few months now, um, which is getting towards being finished, but I've sort of ended up with two albums, really, because I've... My, you know, as I say, you know as I've been saying my attention span is short so I struggle to make like always often struggle to make a record that's all one sound so I've kind of got one album that's kind of like this sort of more like cosmic house sounding one mm-hmm. that's probably the best way to describe it it's not cosmic disco it's like cosmic cosmic house sounding one but then I've got this other one I'm working on that's kind of more like an electro album I suppose but like some of it I'd almost say is actually like because it's slow but but not 4-4 it's almost more like an instrumental hip-hop album really in a way Oh, like I some see. Of yeah
0: because of like the tempo the te- yeah it's because like... it, yeah it's
1: it's, it's that's... so like if
0: you put electro to that tempo it basically like becomes yeah. hip hop sort yeah. of yeah like... it's
1: kind of it's kind of more like an, inst- an instrumental hip hop album and you know I, I listen to a lot I you know I listen to a lot of hip hop still so it is always uh, you know when I do the slow stuff yeah. that's usually what's behind it is kind of I've had a period again of like listening to loads of tell me right or right something like that so
0: yeah um so these two albums that you're working on is there like a potential release have you finished well, either yeah, of I'm, them i'm, not gonna, or I'm not gonna
1: say i'm not gonna both say works in progress, um or... i'm not gonna say the labels but yeah wh- one of them said there's a potential release the other one i will find something to do with even if i end up just putting it out on cassette myself or something like, like that i will love
0: what are your top horror films all time
1: my top horror films the, ones, the wow. ones that
0: really had an impact on you either from a, uh, a soundtrack standpoint or, or just just, general. just cinematically
1: The Brood The
0: Brood I haven't seen that you've never, never ever I've seen heard that. of it I have heard of it it's though.
1: one of the most horrific films you'll ever see have you ever, have you ever seen it he knows. See, uh, yeah, Excel knows some horror. Yeah, I too. know
0: some stuff, but my knowledge is spotty. It's that's kind. Why I'm, that's why I'm it's about. kind
1: of an early. It's 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 not super early. It's a kind of earlier David Cronenberg film.
0: Oh, okay, because I thought I knew Cronenberg pretty yeah, well. Yeah, it's like
1: he made it like like around maybe just before Videodrome or something like that. Like, like that's like one of my. Yeah, well, no, that's, that's 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 a wicked film. But there's something about The Brood is just incredibly like wrong. <laughs> Uh, and it's got and and it's and it's got Oliver Reed in it, okay. Which is you know and like you know like any any film that has like Oliver Reed in the eighties when he was at the height of his alcoholism, really. He's <laughs> kind of like he's kind of like it's you know it's a pretty mad casting, you know? right? So,
0: but and it's very apparent that he's like on one. The whole well, yeah, yeah,
1: kind of and bad. it's basically it's about he runs. Let um, me get this right. He runs a. Um, in, like this institute, I think called the Institute of Psychoplasmics. I think, I think that's from The Brood, and they basically they teach people to grow new organs using their using psychic powers, using their own psych You know, so like willing right. themselves to grow new organs, um, and then his best, his like best pupil is this woman who has managed to grow herself this new womb outside her body. In which which she gives birth to these like horrible murderous midgets. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so Sounds that quick. that's 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 like a bit of a favorite <laughs> just cuz it's like it's it's it's, it's I th- I think like you know out of like mainstream sort of cinema it's one of the weirdest films that like ever got made. Always like another favorite is always the fog. Oh yeah. By John, yeah, Carpenter, John Carpenter but that's you know yeah. but that's more Well, no, the 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 film's wicked as well, but it's also my favourite soundtrack by him. Um, What else? Um, City of the Living Dead by Lucio Fulci, which, yes, which which (laughs) (laughs) doesn't doesn't I think doesn't get like the props that it should because it always because
0: yeah, there's other Fulci films though. The Beyond always gets referred
1: to as his sort of the best out of that era. Right, um, and I know, like the Beyond's a bit more, like maybe the Beyond's like appears to be more intelligent or something yeah. like that. I'd but... say it's a tie for me. But yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I yeah, kind and, of. And I House think... by the Cemetery. House, maybe House right, by right behind that. Yeah, I would as well. Yeah. But there's something I love. You know, I do kind of love City of the Living Dead more than the Beyond, just because City of the Living Dead, it's just mental because it just it's stu- it's just relentless, and and like that sequence at the beginning with like the seance when the flaming ball goes like through the room but it's just so weird um yeah no i love that i love that film and also it's like it's really got no like regular plot structure at all it's just like it's just a it's 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 almost like a lot of music videos edited together or something (laughs) it's kind of you know like there's no you know and the and the bit at the end when they just find out that that Dead woman in their like in their bathroom for no apparent reason, yeah. and, and then like she disappears. <laughs> and so, no, it's like I love that film, yeah. Um, but I don't know, yeah. Like also, I kind of like um, I kind of like loads of really schlock stuff that is just like you know beyond terrible, but I'll like it because of like one shot in it or something. Well, yeah, like, <laughs> like, mean, you know, I like feel one, exactly the same. You know, way, there'll be but. one moment in it where I'll like. The whole film is basically—it's like it's good because of that 30-second bit, right? Or something. Bad movies. What's the one movie where
0: like the they go to the island and the kids are killing
1: all the adults? Oh, the Spanish one. Yeah. Oh, is it called "Would You Kill a Child" or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, That's 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 a really weird film. Yeah. Um, there's a film actually that I've really got to love that apparently I've been a bit late to the party about, but there's this film. Um oh what the hell is it called? Um Surf Nazis Must Die.
0: Oh you see the soundtrack <laughs> everywhere. Like the sound
1: well, the, the soundtrack's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you see that. But everywhere. like I I hadn't, I only saw it like first a few like two years ago or something like, like that. But but apparently it's been like a cult thing for years but it sort of had managed to like pass pass me by. And have if you, if you ever heard the soundtrack of it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, it is it is Really cool, but that's a that's a really funny film. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of another one now. That's that's. Yeah, or or
0: that. sci-fi too. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you seem pretty uh, up on. Yeah, I'm kind
1: of up on sci-fi. I'm sort of. <laughs> I, yeah, like sci-fi. I like sci-fi more when it's not too, like technological. When it's more. You mean when, like, it
0: ma- when it doesn't make sense. Well, yeah. When, <laughs> when, it, when it's not too. I
1: you know I, I get I get a bit annoyed with sci-fi that's a bit like you know in space doors opening and closing yeah silently same, you know same. and like i like um and in in a way it's funny in a way actually i probably like sci-fi books more than i like sci-fi films because like sometimes i think with sci-fi for me when things get over explained it gets a bit silly right yeah, and like but in books it's easier for it to, because it's left more up to you, isn't it? Yeah, you, you to get to envision
0: more you know? of what this reality that they're yeah. creating is, and it, then when you see it, like, you're, and it's it's just not, one, you're almost like, that's not how I saw it. Yeah, like, that's, it's, yeah. you know, like,
1: yeah. it's, you know, it's not, it's not like that. And like, um, and also a lot of the stuff I like, like, I'm really a big fan of Wyndham, um, like the Chrysalids and um, the, the Day of the Triffids. Um, I have
0: no idea what you're talking about.
1: Oh, really? No. Okay, you know, like, and and I and I kind of like him more than, you know, it's contentious, but I'm more like like his sort of stuff more than like the Philip K. Dick okay. kind of stuff because I sort of like the way that his stuff doesn't have, like like Philip K. Dick stuff, it's all full of sort of um, post post 60s politics and right, he's, philosophy, he's taking you know.
0: like the problems of the era and yeah. putting it into like a future time. So yeah, like, yeah.
1: Yeah, and yeah. i kind of like the way the wyndham stuff doesn't do that it's a lot more simple it'll just be like there'll be a village in england some alien children land in it everyone has to deal with it and it's also it's like also it's set in 1948 or something like that you know so everyone's got like nice nice shoes on rather than like spacesuits or something i you know i don't know like um I kind of like that and i often like things to be on a really like with those sci-fi things and kind of in horror which is kind of why i like the fog and like the birds as well which is very much like the fog really is that when things are on a small scale with i'm I'm less of a fan of like sci-fi when it's like the apocalypse you know i don't like independence day type things where it's like Involving like,
0: the entire universe yeah, or something where the it's whole like world. instead it's like some small village or yeah. like ten people or something. Yeah,
1: or even like you know, it's like like you know, it's more like that like siege siege movie thing, like yeah. you know, assault, assault on precinct thirteen when it's like, yeah, the end of the world's happening, but you're only you're only witnessing it through the eyes of like six people. Rather, yeah, than It makes it more human makes it more human and it's yeah, it's cooler somehow. Yeah, yeah.
0: much for coming through man yeah it's a pleasure for us to rap with you about everything i mean honestly like i learned a ton about you that i did not know before um and uh have a great time going up to sunset camp out and playing up there Yeah, yeah. yeah and um otherwise i guess
1: i will see you probably the next time here in la yeah yeah well hopefully i'll be back soon
2: Sit on the knob